Welcome, everyone. This is a place for the leading voices across the industry to gather to talk news, titles, and everything indie. I'm your Master of Ceremonies, Jill Grote, the Indie Informer. And in this episode, one more member of the Indie Council steps into the light. Uh, so joining the council today, Pen and Pixels creator that you can spot in the wild on Min Max and Kind of Funny, Janet Garcia. Hello, Hello. You're looking lovely. I am enjoying this uh, this orange color. The um the thing is, and for the audio listeners, it's like a little dress with like floofy sleeves. A lot of times when I look really nice, it's because I didn't want to have to think about what I had to wear. So I just put on a dress because it's one thought instead of two yeah. thoughts, which 100%. I love that because people will be like, oh, wow, you look so nice. And I'm like, I had nothing left in my closet. I have not done laundry since I got back. <laughs> but thank you. I feel it. And then one half of the hosting duo for Lukewarm Games podcast that I had the pleasure of meeting for the first time at PAX, Luke Lewis. Hello, Luke. How are you? Hello. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Uh, No problem. Did you? Oh, well, I can't ask you that because we're going to talk about PAX later. Spoilers (laughs) for for everybody about what the topic might be. Good foreshadowing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but Luke is one of the people that whose names I actually remembered. I am notoriously terrible for mm-hmm, remembering same. names and faces. I can remember usually one or the other, but I happily didn't get to embarrass myself in front of you. So that's nice. <laughs> all, all good. We, it was Yeah, it was awesome to meet you in person. Before we get started, Luke, uh, anybody who's joining the council for the first time, appara- I've decided to make it a tradition. I like this gets tradition. To do, yeah, this is fun. Um, gets to do a little would you rather game and this sure. time the would you rather is going to be pax west edition love so it. i've got three questions for you are you ready to go let's do it okay would you rather fight the protagonist from your favorite indie at pax west 2022 or 2023 mm. I'm trying to remember what i named my game of the show last pax but Either way, it's I'm not a fighter. I'm I'm a podcaster. Like I'm out here just trying to make positive vibes. But um, would you make a better podcast than the protagonists? Like if you had to podcast off against like video game characters, who do you think you could be? Who would you take? I'm thinking about one of my favorite indies from this past show, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in this episode. But Clam Man. Interesting yeah, yeah. guy, has a lot to say, lots of character. I think he would be a fun podcast off, I will say. Okay. I don't, I, like, yeah, he seems like he would be a tough competition. Like so a unique character. Someone... Yeah, yeah, I'm, so I'm, you're I'm not up for the challenge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're learning something about you. Okay. Really. Meanwhile, I'm Love like tabbing it. over. I'm like, who is Googling who is Clam Man? We're, you're oh, going to learn Janet. all about Clam Man. Yeah, this was a Mike, a Mike Toundro game recommendation that I had to check out on the floor. Did you and really? there's Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, that's cool. I, think yeah, I got so, a direct from the developer, so I didn't know Mike was into that. I, I had oh, never heard sure. of Clam Man 1, so when I heard Clam Man 2, I was like, that doesn't sound like a real game. No offense right. to the developer. I was just like, that sounds like words put <laughs> I together. I looked then, it up. Yeah, and then I played it, and I yeah, I adored it, so we'll chat more about that soon. Yeah. I was kind of thinking at first it was going to be a goat simulator situation. Right. Where it's like. Yeah, this is definitely the sequel, but we're just going to three because we promised Mm -hmm. it would be a sequel. Anyway, you're putting off, you're very cleverly putting off the difficult questions. And I appreciate the antics, 
but we're going but, to but, number two. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, but who are you fighting? <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, to derail Gordon question Hinn. number two. Let's do question it. Question number two. Would you rather have the ability to teleport directly to every indie station throughout PAX or the ability to fly in the convention centers uh, throughout PAX? So. Hmm. Flying's pretty cool, but based on this past Pax West, having separate buildings that you had to like truck to and from, I'm gonna go with teleport just for the sake of logistical reasons. Right. Because I I right. think one of the biggest things for me was like my feet were falling off by the end. So I'm I'm trying to decide whether or not it would be helpful on my feet to like be able to just droop droop or that I could like barely hover about around over the ground. So like you're not putting, I don't know. Okay, but teleporting. So you're you're a pragmatic, practical kind of person. I think so. That that okay. feels right. Okay. Okay. Number three, and this one has a little bit of setup. Okay. So let's just say that you're guaranteed to play every India packs. You have Impossible, but no okay. waiting Love in it. line, <laughs> and you get to do this over all four days. Okay. Okay. Keep that in mind. So with those set up, would you rather? have to stand at every station during the show or have everyone behind you waiting in line, loudly critiquing your performance. I think I would stand. I get really stressed out with people (laughs) watching me, even, even devs who are like watching me, they'll be like, Oh, you needed to jump there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I I know it's a platform. I'm sorry. I'm trying. We're talking and playing. Yeah. It's, it's a struggle. Yeah. I mean, Here's the thing. I'm still feeling it like I'm getting older and I don't know if I can do this, this convention thing, because like every part of my lower body is just falling apart at this point. So I might I would probably have to go like, oh, whatever, like after the first day, I would probably Mm -hmm. be like, can I switch? Because that is. Do we have like? What shoes did you have on? I think your shoes did you dirty during this convention. Like, no, I have like um squishy shoes. Like the last day, (laughs) squishy shoes. I love squishy shoes. I have shoes specifically for walking, but like, okay, what's the brand? Is like a running shoe kind of thing? No, it's not. Because I have to worry about fashion. I feel like important. You have to what? I have to worry about fashion. It's so important. No, no, that's fair. I, I feel like we can find you a shoe where you don't have to get harassed by everyone in line. Because okay. I feel you, like, the degree to which you're like, dude, this thing tore me up. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like that's gotta, it's got to be a shoe thing, I think, especially if it's feet specifically. Because my, like, um, shins hurt from walking the hills. Like, it's, not, it's a very mm. vertical city. But no, no way. If you're in so much pain that you're willing to take that level of criticism, <laughs> I will happily suggest a new pair of shoes because there's no way. Okay. I had so, a follow up though. Do you have like noise canceling headphones or are you mm. playing over speakers? Because like if you're like isolating yourself, maybe I could see it, but it, that's a no, lot of people criticizing a lot of games. Because yeah. like a lot, a lot of, of places you have to stand already. Like it's kind of true. Like, yeah, it's pretty, true. pretty my, standard, unfortunately. My last demos. day, I was like dragging myself everywhere because literally almost every single appointment was standing only like no chairs no nothing i'm like i'm gonna die uh yeah okay so i think that tells us a lot about you luke but we want to hear a little bit more about lukewarm games so go ahead and give us the spiel 
Sure. Um, so the elevator pitch, um, Lukewarm Games is an independent media outlet that I started with my now fiance, Claire, um, a little over three years ago now. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, it was during the pandemic and I was between jobs and breaking into the games industry in any sort of way was always something that I wanted to do. I wanted to start a podcast. I wanted to create content and talk about games. Um, so my lovely partner was like, let's do it. I will, I will be your co-host. We will do this together. And so we sat down at our dining room table and we chatted for three hours about the last of us part two, which had just come out at that time. And Mm -hmm. the rest is kind of history from there. We, um, kept podcasting. We made network connections, collaborated with friends, um, and kind of just kept going and going until we were able to start covering uh, media events like PAX West. And I hosted a panel at PAX East earlier this year and things like that. So um, trying to make a meaningful impact in the games industry, stay positive, uh, meet wonderful people like the two of you and um, uplift cool video games. I think predominantly we focus on indie coverage with a, a sprinkling of AAA games in there, but that's kind of our shtick. We do a little bit of everything, reviews and previews to more in-depth developer interviews or something we've been really pushing recently. So yeah, that, right. that's Lukewarm Games in a nutshell. I love it. And we'll talk more about where you can uh, check that out and everything. Of course. But we are going to jump into some indie news of course, because there's a show going on and everybody's super busy, there's a ton of news to talk about. Uh, and our our lovely guest, Luke, you can choose to be as opinionated or not uh, as you feel during this section. I'm sure I'll have some takes. <laughs> okay, we're ready. If you want to throw out a bad take, I'm ready for that too. <laughs> what? Well, I like how that's, that's where your head goes first. You're like, I, you know, when someone says they have a take. I, I like, like to think I have mostly net positive takes but you can tell me how it goes we'll see where we end up we will what was your last bad take really quick my last bad take or at least Hmm. like where you're like you know what i don't know i don't know about this take because mine was um the uh liking the customization the ship customization in in, uh kingdom hearts one more than starfield i did like i feel like like, i don't think it's a good take but it is it is i feel like it might be sure I feel like most recently I didn't love Final Fantasy 16 and I feel like mm. a lot of people did. Yeah. I don't know if that's a bad take. I feel like, you know, to each their own kind of, but I feel like that's the most recent thing I got like shit for on the internet, if you will. Sure, sure. I'll give you that it's a bad take because we need an indie take, Luke. Okay, True. fair, fair. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wrong I, podcast. I really started it here. <laughs> uh-huh. indie take. I'm sure there's like a hot indie that I didn't, that I didn't love, but... I feel like my hottest take right now is nothing should happen around PAX because I am so I'm trying so hard to cover some things, Uh, but hopefully you'll get my my opinion soon. Speaking of things that might be coming soon or not, we don't really have a release date. Janet, Tinykin's team is talking about their next game already. Tell me about it. I was really, uh, I mean, it's funny to say I'm surprised to hear this. Obviously, creators are working on a million things behind the scenes, prototyping stuff. But I think to me, with Tinykin having dropped, um, was it just last year they dropped that game? Yeah. 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 yeah I believe so. Um, and, you know, that coming out and it being that Pikmin-like game and then this year being, you know, Pikmin coming out and those that kind of reminded people about like, oh, yeah, did you play Tinykin? Like, I felt like I felt those conversations sort of resurfaced. So for them to, uh, they took to Twitter and said, 
With the Tinykin team, we've been working for a few months on a new project called Rendezvous. It's a Rendezvous, but they they separate it. So they spell it R-E-N-D-E-S, Rendez, and then dash, Voos. And they yeah. put a, an emoji of a cup of coffee and a cake. And it says, here's a sneak peek. Then it's a squirrel emoji and the eyes emoji. And the um, images, it is kind of in that, it's somewhat in the art style of Tinykin. Not doesn't seem as flat um, as Tinykin's kind of like a almost Paper Mario-esque with like when you move, you sort of flip uh, as you go. But it has a similar kind of look to it. And it looks like there's um, like a, a mouse coming into, with, and there's like a squirrel at the desk and there's rock people at a table um this is my favorite part of this job by the way just describing <laughs> what this is here um so I mean, you know they're I'm not really at this picture janet and you are 100 percent nailing Thank everything you. that's happening and it kind there's of also, um, like there's a sentient piece of wood or a log over here <laughs> yeah. as well i don't know what he's up to there's also um the the angle and perspective is almost isometric but kind of diorama-esque it's so it almost implies that if you were to enter an area that you might get a quick diorama view of maybe a certain setting. Again, that's a little bit of speculation on what the image they, they tossed out there is, um, you know, obviously people in the replies were kind of like, Oh, so is it an isometric platform or RPG? And they, you know, they're kind of like, that's a great question. Who knows? You know, they're definitely <laughs> being, this was their tease. And um, that's kind of it for now. They said, it's a, they said it's a prototype for the moment. That's what they've said in the, uh, replies um but i have to imagine that this is very likely what their next game will generally look like just in the sense that again people are prototyping stuff all the time behind the scenes but to be at a point where you decide to share it and it's not just a oh by the way here's what we were working on before you know it kind of does Mm -hmm. seem like all right this is probably yes they're prototyping it but i would imagine that they are carrying that prototype all the way to you know a final build but uh yeah. yeah I'm super excited by the fact that I've just looked at like the uh, the cafe cases where you would normally have pastries and things. the The pastries in this one are little pieces of of log. They're they're wood pieces because it's being run by a squirrel. So of course it's yeah. You're right. Honestly, we could do like a. I mean, we we'll probably wrap it up in a second, but we could do like a deep dive <laughs> on just what's just going like what on here. See. Yeah, um, and it, the the restaurant of what we're looking at, a little cafe, it's Les Rendezvous, so it's like a French squirrels cafe, and they yeah. have a cat, but the cat looks like it also, also might be kind of a squirrel cat. Yes, and it, it's a very much Pluto goofy situation where they're both <laughs> yeah. the same animal, mm-hmm. but one's definitely an animal and one's definitely like a human. Yeah, like the anthropomorphized side. Right. <laughs> Made and to this- be anthropomorphic, Yes. I don't know what this mouse is up to. This mouse looks like Dressed. they're trying to lie through a situation, like maybe pretend to be one of these rocks right here. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I will put the link in the description below so everyone can see the picture that we are deep diving into because uh, we got a lot deeper on that than I was expecting. But I love yeah, it. I'm excited for whatever. I mean, I really like Tinykin, so I'm kind of like down for whatever they're doing. Um, I am a big fan of like the cozy cafe thing. I think, again, mm-hmm. this is very conspiracy theory at this point, putting on the tinfoil hat a bit, but you have to imagine that oh, it's, it's so interesting because it could cut either way. They either showed us a screenshot that is very much sort of nodding to the core of the game, or it could just be a totally random innocuous area that they happen to have designed. I don't know which direction <laughs> they went in for sure. it. 
I'm like, oh, is it a cozy like management? They're probably like, oh, this is just like a random place you can walk into for like one singular right. item and then leave. I don't know, but sure, we'll see. That would be hilarious. Borrowing uh, your tinfoil hat for a second, Janet. Ooh. When I saw this, I had the speculation that maybe this is like a shopkeeping moonlighter esque. That's what I game that's the thing, yeah. because of this like the shop setup. But either way, I'm down. Tinykin was great, so I'll, I'll play whatever this team is cooking up. Yeah, and. I'm going to circle back to the idea of this game in a second, but moving on to just today announced day of the devs, the game awards edition is coming in December. They're going to have a showcase December 6th and an in-person event December the 8th in LA. So if you're, I don't know why I said LA like that, like technically it is two different letters, but you don't say, (laughs) I apologize for that being very weird. I Um, forgive you on behalf of Los Angeles. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so yeah, if you're in LA around December the 8th, definitely go check this out. This is a must watch show for anyone who's interested in indies. They have huge things that pop up. You've got like past shows have had things like Cocoon and, uh, let me see what other things do I have highlighted here? Um, Sea of Stars was one. Gunbrella was another. So you've got all of these huge things, which, speaking of Tinykin's reveal, I am very excited to see what games might show up here because so many of the games we're hyped for this year will be out by December 6th. So typically they highlight games that are not out yet. We have some things from maybe Devolver that got pushed into 2024. Those could show up. We have some things that got uh announced like uh revenant hill that we don't really have a thing for but i i would be interested to see if tiny can's kind of reveal corresponds to Mm. trying to get people interested so that they show up here like i don't know anything don't 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 go out there and quote me on it but i would love to see that game here uh do you have anything either of you that you'd like to see at this showcase um everybody's thinking nothing yeah i'm trying to think of a like (laughs) the timing i feel like is key yeah of like what what don't we have a date for um maybe plucky squire okay plucky squire plucky squire date maybe would make sense here for like early next year that's no one can say the two things mike isn't here so he knows like the we're not going to touch that one that we, we <laughs> to talk about. Everybody knows the other one that we don't talk about on the show. I actually don't know what the second one is. This is a Hollow Knight reference, by the way. If you just are doing it now, <laughs> <laughs> I got the first one, but no, I don't think I don't know what the second no, one the is second, either. Hollow Knight is the second one. The first one is um oh um oh. the one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little oh, yeah, like okay. I would like to see that. Makes sense. We don't talk about. I'm trying to think of. The though little devil inside, I would have to imagine would be at more like a PlayStation thing than a day of right. the devs thing. I but, mean, um, day of the devs is nice because it's not connected to any platform in particular, yes, so you never party. know. Yeah, the others, I think, I think those are the main ones that I'm like the not not the Hollow Knight mean mean one, but of <laughs> the ones that I'm like waiting for the drop on. Um, yeah, I don't think anything else too particularly. No. And some yeah, of that also excites me because I, I, I'm i also like, okay, I can think of a few things off the top of my head, but having it at this time of the year, I, I'm very excited that that means 
we're going to see a lot of reveals, which is not usually what Day of the Devs is about. It's usually about like, here are some things that you know about, but are coming up. Um, So I'm very excited about that. And then kind of sprinkled in, in the uh, press release, and they, they were not highlighting this, but it's in there. Unfortunately, they're not having their typical November event in San Francisco. And since I'm in the Bay, that is very sad for me because I always go to that. Uh, They will push it to 2024. But again, that seems actually like a really smart move this year, considering how like completely impacted the fall of this year is for all games, not just indie games. Um, So, yeah, I'm sad not to be able to go this year but hopefully everything amazing happens and that also talks more about maybe we'll see some reveals that we're not expecting so yeah keep that on your calendar december the 6th is the next showcase speaking of things that are not coming this year (laughs) uh replaced got delayed very recently the developers put a statement up on social media which was previously called Twitter, and I won't call it X. Um, so I'll put that into this description. But essentially, game development is hard, and they're working tough. They have a lot of pressure on them. A lot of people are excited for this game. They don't want to put something out that's subpar and have that hit them and tank their reputation. So they're working harder on it. And we didn't get a release window at all, but... You know, I'm excited. I'm happy that they're pushing it back. If they feel like they're not able to put something out there, they'll be excited about. Uh, anybody else keeping up with this news? Yeah, like it's a game I'm looking forward to, but it's also one that I um, feel a little bit like trepidatious about. I think I'm using that mm-hmm. word right. <laughs> like it looks really, really cool, but some, like I, I'm just not sure about it. Uh, like if it's going to deliver on, I think how. Um, stunning and enticing like the trailer is and I I really can't quite fully put my finger on why I feel that way because it just sounds silly to be like this thing that looks really cool I'm not sure about I think I've just Mm -hmm. seen a lot of stuff that has nailed um aesthetic and atmosphere in the trailer but not exactly um in the gameplay I think there's something about that kind of gameplay that's sort of a experiential like you're walking left to right and like you're intrigued what's going on like I'm not sure about it so honestly like the the delay I found kind of like not a relief, but I'm like, you know, I don't know. I it's I'm very cool with it for that reason, because it's one that I'm sort of I feel like it could go either way. And if this is going to help them get their game into that more positive framework, then that's sort of what excites me about the idea that they, I guess, are acknowledge the the, the necessity to kind of do that, I suppose, yeah. which is I don't know, kind of kind of a weird take. But that's kind of where I'm at with Replace. Very much looking forward to it. But I feel like it could really it can go either way kind of game for what what it's aiming to accomplish. Yeah. At the very least, this announcement, like like you said, relief is a weird word, but it does make me feel a little better because it is tough when you see a game and everyone's excited about it and you see this trailer and it's amazing and then it just goes silent. Even if they're not announcing something publicly, typically if you're in the press, you get some kind of news about something. Maybe you hear people are are getting hands on with it or something Uh, for a game to just completely disappear and then drop is usually a bad sign. So I'm glad that we're getting some sort of 
uh, public information that's saying, hey, we're holding off on this. Hopefully we will get to check it out at some point. Like, hey, maybe it'll show up a day of the depth, you know? <laughs> we'll see. But uh, Luke, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think I would just echo what both of you said. I'm super excited for the game, but I, I was a little bit relieved in another lens of just like, I have so much to play right now and I'm trying to map out coverage for the next few months and it's just becoming kind of overwhelming. So a game coming out in 2024 right now is like awesome. I'll be able to give you the time of day that you deserve. So that's rad. But I do agree, Janet, the comments you mentioned about just kind of like expectations for this one feeling a bit in the gray area in terms of like, I was super excited by that initial trailer, but Anytime I feel like we have like years in between an announcement and like any real update, it your mind can kind of wander and expectations can kind of e- either get overhyped or you're just like not sure how to feel about it. So that's kind of where I'm at too. 100%. But moving on to more happy news, exciting news. Case of the Golden Idol just dropped its DLC. This is third DLC for it and it is the last DLC for the Case of the Golden Idol. Uh, it connects the first game and or the canonically the the DLC comes first and then the original game. So this connects both of those together. Uh, it launched just before PAX. So I still haven't been able to jump into it and it's killing me because I needed to go around and do things. Uh, but hopefully I get to check that out soon. And then also really cool is to get more people into the series itself. Uh, they decided to release the first three mysteries of the original game on web browser for free. So if you have a web browser of any sort, you can go and check out their website and just play through the first couple of uh, puzzles and see how you feel about it. Because it is one of those games that's very difficult to explain. You don't want to spoil anything looking just looking at the images is weird because the art style is very off the wall so if you don't know how good this game is you might look at it and be like i don't know how i feel about this but i don't know how i feel about shadow dropping especially at this time period because so much oxygen in the room is being taken up by packs and all the things that are happening in the showcases and we just had gamescom so unlike in the first uh dlc which wasn't shadow dropped but it was dropped like days after its original announcement uh, i didn't get a chance to be excited i didn't have a chance to like hype it up and and let people know that something exciting was gonna happen it was basically i got a new story up that was like hey this dropped everyone should check it out and then i had to move on um and, and it says a lot that i haven't even been able to play it and i'm a huge fan of this series i guess I don't know if it, if you can call it a series just because it's got DLC, but um, this IP. Um, so yeah, anybody feeling any which way about the new DLC? I think just the, so I haven't played the case of the Golden Isle yet. I really need to. I think especially it's with so this good. DLC, it's like maybe this should push me over the edge to check it out. Uh, my colleague over at MinMax, uh, Sarah Przorski, loves the case of the Golden Idol. Yeah. I think it might have made our two tens last year, which is like MinMax's top twenty um, list, except. Don't tell them I said it was a top 20. It's the two tens. <laughs> it's the two tens. If you add 10 and 10, it's 20 games. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So I've heard great things. I think as far as the shadow drop aspect of it, um, I think it can be fine because the, the reality is, I mean, maybe it's different for indies. Uh, I will say that like 
you know, but it's, at least in the AAA space, like no one plays DLC for any game, like at all, like, which is fine. Like, I don't think that means it shouldn't be made or that you shouldn't, you know, maybe put those extra like efforts to market it. Like I get the frustration of it. It's like, oh man, it's here. And now like, I'm kind of scrambling to like get my hands on it or figure it out. But like the reality is, is probably for the, the hardest core of the hardest core of the hardest core in the sense that like, and I was talking about this at PAX with some people where it's like the percentage of people that play your game versus finish your game, which is very small. And then the DLC, like, you know, and I know there are some people that, especially listening to the show, are eating up every, like, DLC for every game that they vibe with because it's more of the game. Um, absolutely. But if anything's going to shadow drop in the realm of the Golden Idol or their projects, I think DLC is the safest because I'm guessing that it's not anything too wild or off the wall, like, with DLC in general because of what it is and, and just how players tend to respond to that packaging for any game right and because it is such a like you go in and you solve cases and they're they're sort of contained like obviously okay. they like, like almost to, episodic to energy yeah it. so it, it works really well for dlc because it's just like oh i get another case yeah. to solve so it is a really nice uh game for the dlc uh, expansion content I do think if we're seeing like it. an influx of DLC for indie games, or maybe I just haven't been paying as close attention to it in previous years. But I feel like that's like it's it feels fairly common for indie yeah. games to get DLC these days. Yeah, like Call to the Lamb just dropped. Yeah. a couple of weeks, like a whole new content drop, and I was not prepared for that. Escape Academy's sure. still going, so I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> that's probably an episode in itself, us kind of discussing or deep diving or maybe highlighting some of our favorites of that. But I do think I like that you did point that out, though the the structure of it because that does kind of. I think make it a little bit more exciting because I know like when more Operation Tango stuff dropped, I was like, okay, let me check this out. But then also, I don't think I actually ended up playing it. But you know, like, I, sure. I had intent. <laughs> I've downloaded the packs. Uh -huh. you're, you're glad it exists for sure. Yeah, I was. I there's a version of me that is eating it up, <laughs> just not yeah. in this universe. Yeah, um, yet Definitely. I haven't gotten there yet. But speaking of things that maybe perhaps you haven't gotten to yet, Janet, how you doing with the goofies? Oh man, no, still, the meme <laughs> continues. Still, and I brought my Steam Deck to PAX because I'm um, delusional and I still think that I'm going to play games on the plane. And I'm going to bring my Kindle. Yeah. I didn't read uh -huh. any game in my hotel. I just, mm -mm. I'm one day I'll stop packing all those things because I don't use them. Yeah. I was proud of myself this year because I didn't bring my Switch. I just brought the Steam Deck. <laughs> I know, but and the Steam Deck's so big and why. I didn't play either. I should, I'm like, I should have brought the smaller thing to not play. Yeah. I brought both and didn't play them either. It's yeah, the, I'm gonna honestly, move, I'm gonna start bringing the, I'm gonna start bringing the play date because it's so tiny. There you yes. go. There you go. I'm like, you know what? Granted, without the backlight, it's still a little bit of an uphill battle, but like, I'll make it work. I think. And then rounding out this uh, section of indie news, I just want to shout out some really fun and exciting release dates that we got throughout the last couple of weeks. Gunbrella is coming out September the 13th, so Hell they gave yes. us a very short announcement to release. Uh, window very excited about that and then slay the princess is coming out october the 20th great time for the spooky vibes yep. perhaps a little harsh considering what's happening around that time but i'm excited to check that out and i know uh, yeah. that jenny was very excited about slay the princess so i wanted to make sure that jenny got that her voice in there for this yeah one. yeah I'm it's glad to so see that. good yeah i'm excited and Gumbrella is going to be awesome. I've been looking forward to that yeah. forever. And I had I'm like a... so excited that it's actually coming out this year because I wasn't, for a little bit, I was a little unsure. 
you know, if it would make the make the calendar year. Yeah, I had. I think I extended... have. Or sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I have both of these games in my fantasy critic, so I was secretly like, "Oh my god, this could be <laughs> my comeback. Con- this is I my this is my, in my moment." Fantasy yeah. critic too, and I, I forgot what. Oh god, everything's blurring together, and I have such like brain fog from packs. But there was um a title, an indie title last year that a lot of people loved. Was it maybe it was Cult of the Lamb, really? But I, I when I drafted Gunbrella, I said this is gonna be this year's Cult of the Lamb, and I don't, I don't think it'll have that same level of like fandom love because i think there's something about like the like it's almost like the e- the emo animal crossing kids resonate with Cult of the lamb and i think that's a really big audience of gamers um yeah. so i don't think umbrella will have that because like as much as it's fun that it's a gun and an umbrella like it's not the same as like a lamb <laughs> that has a cult but yeah. it's gonna be i think like a banger title that like a lot of people are gonna like sure. i don't know i'm very excited yeah, I got an extended preview on this game. I loved what I played. The humor is really fantastic in yes. this, even like for marketing and stuff. So at PAX West, uh, they had a shirt that was an, a Gunbrella shirt, but it's a copy of Singing in the Rain. Oh my God, with your like awesome. gunbrella. I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm not getting that. So I bought way too much. Speaking of of buying too much at PAX, let's talk about the topic of the show, PAX West 2023. And before, uh, typically I would do a little spiel and of uh, getting people kind of warmed up, but we have the ghost of Mike Toundro from Beyond the Grave Ooh. who decided <laughs> to write in. <laughs> This is how well, I want to make gonna... all my appearances if I were to pass. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to write a year of takes when I know it's, like, starting to go south. And people will yeah. just read them on shows. <laughs> so this is what uh, our lovely ghost friend says. I'm sure y'all will discuss it. But it was an orga- organizational nightmare. All of the fellow exhibitors I spoke with were not aware it was two buildings until we arrived to set up. It caused a ton of confusion and made a mess of our appointments, not to mention the usual setup woes and having to bounce around all over the place to support and whatnot. Nintendo seemed to be the major wrench in the plans. I adore PAX, so I genuinely hate to complain about anything. I am praying all of PAX proper can be an arch for 2024. Um... So he is talking about the fact that PAX this year was split between brand new constructed building summit and the traditional convention space arch. Um, And he wants everything to be an arch in 2024. And I am not down for that. I would love to see everything in summit in 2024. I'm going to make team summit shirts just because the new building is huge and has all this natural light and it's got all these cool architectural features and it just seems to be thought out better planned out for as big a crowd as PAX gets because it has like space for exhibits on every single floor I think it's five floors tall it's got space for seating everywhere it's got little nooks and crannies for like the media room this year we could go in and we had the media room in the new building this year and we could have two layers of game stuff and one layer of tabletop and one layer of you know fixing your uh cosplay or you know whatever it is um but 
just to like let people know, even though I've I've been running around the convention center circuit for a while, this is actually my first PAX experience. Mm. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> and it is an unusual experience for me because typically my shows tend to be industry focused. So it's a very different energy to show up and it is it is a fan-centric event. There is no getting around it. It is for the fans. It's for people to show up. So there's a lot less... Like, it's weird because you're just walking through and you're thinking about, like, work stuff. And then all of a sudden you see, like, Beetle walking by. And I'm like, oh, my God, they made the entire storefront and, and they look fantastic. And it, um, it also has a weird kind of situation of... Um, a lot of the appointments that I'm making, I show up and I am like cutting in line and that's an unusual situation. That's a whole, whole, whole can of worms. Yeah. I'm like, so, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Well, I don't want to cut you off before you're done talking. I'd love to. No, no, no. I'm done. Go ahead. Cause, um, I'm curious now, um, Luke, what is your history with PAX and then sure. what's sort of your high level take on the show, especially with the building split and, you know, and with some of the things that Jill uh, brought up for sure. So I went to PAX West 2018 as a fan. Um, and then PAX West 2022 was my first one as media. And then I've been going to East and West since as media. Um, yeah, it was a very interesting setup this year. I was really surprised that they split things up the way they did because in my mind the old space was so rough that that's why they were constructing the new space for everything to be in there like i think about the boston convention center for east and how everything is in this one giant building the show floor is one giant show floor panels are on the levels above tabletop stuff is on the levels of i think actually that's on the show floor too because the show floor is so big but i just like logistically i really enjoy east from that side of things but doubling back to your points about the fan focused nature of the show jill i think for someone like me that's new to the games media scene trying to kind of break into the industry i've enjoyed it in a sense that it has felt less intimidating being among other fans of the game and i don't necessarily feel like a fish out of water like i imposter syndrome i shouldn't be here because other folks that are just fans of the game are also here so it kind of feels like a safe space for me in that regard but it is awkward where you run into those instances where it's like i am here for my appointment even though you've been waiting probably 40 minutes to play this game i'm sorry what (laughs) what gives me the right to do this i have a podcast but everybody has a podcast like you know not like your podcast or else they'd be on the other side the other side appreciate that but appreciate that but i it, it is awkward and i definitely have felt moments where i'm like oh i I feel bad, but also I'm, I'm, I'm doing a thing We're we're doing yeah. the thing, you know? Yeah. But yeah, especially for me when it's like, I've got 30 minutes here and then I have another appointment. So like, yeah, sure. I really don't. Um, but there have definitely a couple of times when I walked up and they literally stopped someone from like, they, there was a person yep. reaching their hand mm-hmm, out to the controller mm-hmm. and they had to like yeah. push him out of the way <laughs> to mm-hmm. make room, make room. And I always for feel the like some Indian of the, former. Yeah. Uh-huh. I have people like just announcing me and splitting the crowd as I walk by. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely feel like some of my would you rather questions were based around uh, these experiences. Oh, no, for sure. <laughs> the um, the f- intense feeling that that person 
who has been waiting for who knows maybe hours to come see this game that you are just stepping up and playing like they have to be sitting there like you didn't even get that jump that you know and there is some uh there is um a strange effect of being amongst the people <laughs> um coming down from your ivory um, tower and seeing how the, yeah, the other half climbing down <laughs> Of like, there are a lot of people who, as a matter of course, just hate media. Yeah, and like, I've heard of a... those people. I think <laughs> I had a situation I've where heard I was from like, those people, I think. "Yeah, I've heard a lot from those people." Um, that I was walking back from the mix, and it was at night, and it was like only a few blocks back to like the convention center area, but it was like dark, and I didn't want to be alone, so I, I joined a group of people who. I hadn't met before, but they were lovely. Um, and they started talking about things that were like kind of controversies and, and things they'd heard and rumors and news and that sort of thing. And I was like, wow, what you took away from things is so different than what I've taken away from things. And I'm like, here's here's how I understood what was happening there. And like just hearing how like it's so weird because as a writer, even before I was the Indian former I was working at Game Informer, the amount of people who just take what you say on on faith as gospel is sort of wild. And then I'm like, please, please do your research on like what was happening and, and on the context of this because they didn't have time to write and fully flesh everything. But then to hear that take and hear it like they didn't, you know, most people don't read fully everything you've written, even if you're super nuanced. So they just take away from it. Like, obviously, this, this developer was lazy or this game sucked or or whatever. And I'm like, I, I know that we talk about these being opinions, but like, it's strange to hear it in the wild, you know? Yeah, I feel like you played that story very close to the chest. <laughs> and I'm like wondering, yeah, obviously, you don't need to share like, I mean, I get you probably don't want to. Say like someone said this toxic yeah. thing. Let me repeat it verbatim. But yeah. was it just like, was these like fans you were walking with that were just like, I can't stand like this review. I mean, you don't have to again name the review. No, the reviewer it or something, was but. because I have friends on both sides of this. I don't sure. like. I don't want to jump too hard into it, but it right. was talking about the Baldur's Gate three IGN uh video. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it was like mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. the the amount of people who were just had taken the base like top level sure. understanding of that um was very interesting for me um so like not even trying to be like rude or like it was really nice i i, I uh introduced myself they were excited they were ex like even before they knew that i covered exclusively indies they were talking about indies and how great they are i'm like that's fantastic to see that side of 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 just mainstream consumers yeah. picking up on indies and loving them and the fact that the show floors were like really split some chunks of AAA, but like a lot of indies there yeah. and i was having a great time which like we talked about being able to go see every indie of the show and how that probably wasn't possible humanly uh but yeah there's just a lot to check out and i'm very exciting that they didn't have just like here's the one little indie section and then you know the rest of the show did you guys find that yeah i mean i, I admittedly i didn't walk the floor as much as i normally do because i had a i was there for min max uh to cover nintendo live uh which also to you know swing it back really quick to the 
big picture stuff and Mike's ghostly um, note. <laughs> um, the reason that he mentioned like the um, kind of how do you word it? Nintendo seemed to be the the wrench in the plans, which again, I don't know how confirmed this is or not, but that is also what I heard. But also that's kind of what everyone mm-hmm. heard of that. So Nintendo True. brought back Nintendo live to take it inadvertently take away from the indie side for a second, but because it's relevant to the dis- construction of the area, um, they haven't done live in a while uh, anyway. So live is just like, a, it's like a fan event. It's big. It's got like, you know, photo ops and they had a band and you know wonder was there and what what was heard is that they got kind of first dibs on where they'd be set up at between like the two spaces um so that we it the the division ended up being like in the arch was nintendo live and some pack stuff and then in the summit was some pack stuff and um i definitely agree with um really mike or jill because i just want everything in one building i think it was in terms of um if you have to divide things between two buildings and you have two things that are packs, which is the same event, and one thing that is Nintendo Live, which is quite literally a separately ticketed event, like mm-hmm. you cannot walk into Nintendo Live with your packs badge. If you could, I mean, I still would prefer it to be split up differently, but like at least it would make a little bit of logistical sense. But I think the fact that literally packs attendees cannot attend Nintendo Live, you need to also have the separately ticketed for free but raffled off live badge. It just didn't seem like a good division. Um, and I get, you know, maybe, you know, financials or first come, first serve. But I just feel like for the better of the show, it just does not make any sense to have them divide that way. Um, and then really quick for my background on PAX, it was I went last year to West, this year to East, and then also this year to West. So I, this is my third PAX. Um, I agree with you, Luke. The East feels luxurious compared to the layout of West. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. East is all in one building. And not not only is East all in one building. With all the panels in one building. Because even without this division last year, like a lot of stuff for packs, for panels is really spread out. Like go downtown, go down the streets to some hotel and then or something weird like for the panels. Um, But not only that, East, you can quite literally get what, like, I mean, you know, maybe more expensive, but one of the hotels that you can get for East is literally connected to the convention where you do not have to walk outside. Like you can live a life of luxury at East that you cannot live at West. And I I love both shows. Um, They're both fairly similar. You know, people argue one's more game focused, one isn't. But like, yeah, that's the background. Um, and yeah, in general, I think there's a great indie presence at um, at West. I think um, to bring it back to what I believe was our last episode, Jill, um, talking about the sort of do you put is it better to put indies on one section or not, or like mm-hmm. we know what developers think about that. Um, yeah, it did feel very generally mixed up. Um, and overall, you know, the there's definitely a lot of negativity that can come from like the quote-unquote general population and unfortunately there's also a lot of negativity that can come from inside the house like not everyone in our industry unfortunately is you know kind or critic first or understanding or nuanced like I know that's a reality um I'm thankful that the people that I have rolled with and that I have been fortunate enough to meet all have seemed to be very wonderful people you know kind funny thoughtful complimentary um and the same has gone for the fans I've encountered fortunately at PAX like I joke that you know, we talk about toxic gamers and I'm like, no, those people are here. And of course, I'm sure there are there are because <laughs> of the numbers. But you don't I don't feel that when I'm there. I feel very it's just like a, a bunch of friendly nerds all together. And and the fact that there's so many like fans that will come up and talk about their favorite things they played. And often they it is the indie stuff. Um, also, in part, because the AAA line is always going to be longer than the indie line. But like, that's another mm-hmm. <laughs> benefit of like if you want to just go and play games, like chances are you're probably going to at least touch one indie game. Like you'd have to try yeah really try not to and just decide like oh, i'm not gonna do it because again the lines 
it's a mixed bag, but they, I jumped on stuff because I didn't have appointments for like anything. I jumped on stuff just regularly, fairly easily, depending on what it was. Um, so yeah, and I did, I did feel like it was all pretty intermixed. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I am so interested in what that waiting in line situation is. Cause like I did go to E3 once as a fan and the lines oh, yeah, there were like, you're going to play like two things a day. Um, so I wonder if that's a lot easier. Go ahead and let us know in the comments if that's yeah. uh, something you've ever experienced. But- I mean, even I can speak to that because that's what I did this year. And with the first year I was there too, I went as special guest. So I guess I didn't explain that. I went as special guest, aka a panelist, mm-hmm. um, which that's kind of, that just is what it is. Like You don't really get additional special treatment as special guest. Like you, you get a badge, which is awesome. And you know, that costs a lot of money if you're not doing those things, but that's that's it. And then I went as media through my outlet, Pen to Pixels. Um, and then this year I actually went as a creator uh, through MinMax. So I've gone to all these different ways. You've so had all of them at various points. Yeah, I'm trying to, I've been joking. I'm collecting all the badges, like the Infinity Stones. I need Exhibitor. <laughs> I need VIP. And yeah. someone mentioned I need GA, but I'm like, I don't want the GA badge. Like, no, man. You know, um, again, I do this for work. So like, it just doesn't make sense to also just spend the money for the cloud of, of being, you know what I mean? Right. But yeah, of um, course. the way it, it varies. Um, so obviously for stuff that's like, I don't know, maybe really like, I'm sure Prince of Persia, I'm sure that line was very long, you know, because yeah. um, that's like a Ubisoft game. Though, admittedly, I didn't look, but that's because I already played it. That's why I didn't stop by Prince of Persia. But um, like something like Time Flies, you know, I was there and there was like a couple of people, three, four people. Something like um, Devolver can be mixed, right? Like I went uh, this time around the last day where it was more dead and I was only behind two people. Um, I went last year for um, Gunbrella and I was behind like, five or six or seven people and their demos are long and people Mm. want to play the whole demo so i'm like i'm kind of here for like an hour so it just depends on many factors the popularity of the game how busy it happens to be at that one instance um how long the demo is sometimes these are untimed uncapped demos and the the exhibitionists are not always policing people's time which again that's their choice um sometimes there are time demos that are built in Sometimes they're time demos, like they put a, a physical timer next to you when you sit down and start. So it just really depends on, you know, what's going on. I definitely think there are like some games where in no way to shade the game where like there can be just like, oh, a couple stations open. Like, I don't know. They they hit like a quick dead spot. It's again, last day, like the, the first day and the last day are always like the most dead, mm-hmm. um, especially because if you look at people's more traditional work schedules, like the weekends are always going to be the biggest time. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I definitely think you can especially if you're going like every day, like you're going to be able to play pretty much anything you'd want to play, I would say, because yeah, you can just decide to like how you want to split up that prioritization. But um, to also swing it back to something you mentioned, Jill, yes, it is very awkward when you have an appointment and there is no like setup. So for, for people who don't, you know, are listening and have not been like the press or like creator or whatever, have an appointment. So sometimes for press, they have like a secret like little area, like mm-hmm. behind the booth, there's like, uh, you know, a, a, a setup for like press to be doing stuff. Right. They like, put it's up just, PVC yes. pipe and like have a little curtain. <laughs> hanging yeah, door. like we, you can't like even see it. Like people walk you back there. But sometimes it is just like a regular station. Um, and that is a little bit awkward. I think one thing that helps take the sting out of that for fans is that in my experiences, not all the times, but a lot of times when that happens, those people that had to wait an extra time for my appointment um, get like, you know, a piece of swag or something that they're giving out normally or like an extra whatever or just like something for their consideration and understanding. Um, 
what's even more awkward than having an appointment is like I've done I've been at times where it's like I'm standing there and like I you know maybe I do, maybe I do mention explicitly that I'm a creator maybe I don't but they notice that I have the badge and they'll be like oh do you want to do you want to play and they kind of just <laughs> and I'm like yeah and so they're like cool let's just throw throw all these people to the side and have you come on down um but you know I have to imagine that like people probably understand it to a degree like I don't know at the same time I, I was tweeting out how I hate the clear people at the airport because I have TSA uh-huh. free and I don't have clear and I'm like forget these people so I don't know I, I think if anyone is petty about it it is quick passing and probably jokey and if they're not they probably are a deeply angry person you know what I mean I can't imagine anyone taking it too too right. seriously but yes it is a little bit like oh look at you like the you know how the other half right. live but I'm just yeah. like deeply conscious of the fact like you've been standing in no no it's for... definitely it is I, you're not the first and you definitely won't be the last person to talk to me about that and like I've talked about that so many times too of like even me without appointments like I know I probably could have done that a bit but I'm like you know what I'm gonna just kind of it's fine like I'm good today I don't I don't need to do that because it is awkward to be like excuse me um, I'm a critic. I'm part of games <laughs> media. <laughs> Roll out the red carpet and get me set up on a station. Um, yeah, it's awkward. Yeah. You t- you th- mentioned Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Luke. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna chime in with one thing of I will say when I attended as a fan, I just was excited just to be in the room. The idea of playing pre-release anything was really exciting to Hell me. Yeah. And I think that kind of like transcended any like minor like I, I, I feel like as a fan I played maybe like let's say four or five demos a day, unless I waited for something crazy triple a. Um, but then on the content side, it kind of makes sense that we end up playing more because then we're like producing content based on those experiences. But I think it goes both ways. And I think like it can be a positive thing for both parties. Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. I love the, the swag system. Uh, and speaking of swag, what was your favorite piece of swag you got this year? Ooh. Um, mine would have been I left it at the ramen shop that I went to afterwards. Oh, no. Um but I got um oh gosh, I keep blanking on the the name of the game. Pe- pe- pepper drill pepper, pepper grinder. Pepper, pepper grinder. Pepper, yeah, gr- yeah. Um, pepper Devolver. grinder devolver digital. Um I this game had totally passed me by um prior. Like I hadn't heard about it until I saw it on the floor. And I played that and that was awesome. And they gave you um like a foam finger, but it is like of the drill that she, like <laughs> it, the character has on their hand. Nice. I don't know if they're holding uh-huh. it or if they're if it's welded to their skin. I I'll be I'm not gonna lie. I skipped the cutscene that place at the beginning to save time. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was probably my favorite. And then I didn't get it. But shout out to oh my gosh, please let me remember this. Oh, it's a game called like I think I took a picture of it. pizza pizza something it was like a shooter i don't know if anyone saw this at the floor oh was this the one that kind of looked like di- the division but you ate yeah, pizza yeah. to regain health i didn't play yeah. it but i, I watched Bandit. it a little bit that's it pizza yeah. Bandit. i didn't get it because it was like um the swag their thing so swag works a couple ways right like sometimes it's just stuff given out like oh you play the demo like you get it sometimes it's like you have to do extra things like follow or wish list or something this one was like sort of roughly like if you played you had a chance to get the t-shirt and I wanted the t-shirt so bad because it said pizza banana <laughs> on the front and on the back it had a, had a skull with like an outer circle, um, like two circles and it like a kind of a badge. And it said um, some pizza, like pizza saves, bullets kill, I think is what it said. That's and like, That's I was like, sick. this is going to shoot up to like the number one sleep shirt in my house slash content shirt when <laughs> nice. I'm lazy. Nice. If I get this, 
unfortunately I did not get it. Um, like I was with um Cam and um Ryan at the time, and I was like, I want this shirt so bad. Cam's like, I'll play it if I get it, I'll give it to you. And then I didn't get it. And then um Tatum also played it and was like, I didn't get it. And then I said, F it. I'm gonna play, even though I'm not even that good at this genre of game. And I also didn't get it. But genuinely no. that game looked very cool as well. So I do think nice. um definitely swag can you know have a positive impact because like i mean i was already gonna check out that game but i wasn't gonna demo it personally because i just felt like i already knew what it was i just wanted to see what it was about and i can do mm-hmm. that with a friend demoing next to me but that kind of added you know extra hype extra conversation like i chatted with like the devs while we were in line and stuff so uh yeah that was mine but what about y'all um i ended up with a sweet hat from agro crab that i purchased after i played another crab's treasure because i was really excited about that game probably my game of the show they had this awesome hat that had the cute little crab on the front but he's holding a knife and i just thought that was hilarious and awesome so i i purchased that hat so that was probably my favorite that studio is so good i went over and i I got one of their shirts just because i wanted to like give them money but uh, <laughs> did you I know that actually... like the booth that they have, the the wooden shack, they built it in one of their devs backyards that like blew wow. my mind. I, I love that. How did you get it there? I don't even want to think about it. I think that. one I of them very... lives locally and they like put it in a truck or something. I, I don't know. We were, <laughs> we were chatting like a little bit on the last day. And yeah, out. they like their booth looked great, though. But it was really I did fun. See it at one point they have if you haven't seen we did talk up one of these episodes they had like a music video with their mascot yes. uh, suit and the mascot suit was sitting there and i was so tempted to just grab it and run i was like this is gonna be the best swag ever but i didn't and now i'm sad um my favorite swag was when i was finishing up my appointment with white thorn and mm. i'm gonna get all their games out there i'm very excited about a lot of them um I got a thing that to me at first looked like a sort of piece of art or something from uh, Evan's Remains, which came out some time ago. Um, but I, I looked a little farther into it and it turned out to be vinyl. Ooh, I was oh, like, cool. oh, this is so cool. It was like a see through like vinyl for that's the soundtrack awesome. like that. Is an amazing idea. Everyone should be giving out their soundtrack on vinyl. That's like, wild. I know, yeah, I know that that's like a risk because I don't know how many people are actually able to play it, but like I can right, and right. I would love it. <laughs> yeah. You said this came out already? Evans Remains? Yeah. Have you, and you, you've played it then, yes? I've it played like... it uh, a little bit. I didn't do like okay. an impressions or like a review on it. And it was, sure, a, sure. it was fun. A little puzzle game. Okay, yeah, yeah. Nice. Like their, their, their games have been a little bit like mixed for me with Whitethorn. Um, but uh, uh-huh. I really like Botany Man- Manor. I played that like yeah. last. Yeah, pack. that's a good Very one. Very excited for that one. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I liked um, I wanted... Recall earlier this year from Recall, them. I thought it was really, really cool. Good. Really good. That was, uh, do you think that you could beat that protagonist in a fight? No. No, that protagonist too <laughs> clever, too cunning. Kind of, yeah, he's got time manipulation on his side. He can go back and do it again. <laughs> oh, this style looks really cool. I didn't. Yeah, um, I feel like Whitethorn Games is one that I didn't start to have on my radar until I went to a PAX and like jumped on a few other titles. And now I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Which is also like a just a nice thing about whether your industry or not. Um, you just get to know, I think, some of the lanes a little bit more. Obviously, we yeah. all have like ones we already know well. Like I've been a Devolver stand for a long time. Um, but like, yeah, like, and it's interesting seeing too, like the, the collections and the personalities, I think, behind some of these publishers, like is really worth um, getting to know a little bit. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Discoverability sure. is really fun for these. Like, uh, unlike other shows where it's industry and stuff, like one of the bigger differences for this one is because it is fan based and it is a lot of walking around and just looking at things. Like you do just inadvertently kind of run into, oh, I didn't see, like I've never heard of this before. I will sit here and check this out. So. Uh, most of the time for other things you're just like appointments back 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 which I was on this one as well but uh, I had a little bit a more of an ability availability to just walk to the next booth and and see things so that was really cool uh going back to behind the scenes being press giving people a little glimpse into the world of indie press what's involved in indie press uh, like us attending an event like this uh like when do we start thinking about it when do you guys start mm. scheduling when do you know you're gonna jump on it how do you get a press badge get certified that sort of thing yeah um it's um it's definitely expensive to go to these <laughs> is the thing i genuinely was not gonna go to west this year because um i went to west last year and i went to east i do think Two, it's worth noting that East and West have a lot of overlap in the titles that are being shown. Yeah, um, definitely. So if you're looking to save money, I would recommend only going to maybe just one of those like a year because so there is overlap. So like you won't feel too much FOMO in that sense. Um, but I, you know, at a certain point, PAX like puts out, hey, we have, um, you know, either badges up for sale. And usually around that time, they also have like the media slash content creator um, applications. And the application is fairly short it's like one page web form it's essentially um and y'all ch chime in if there's details i'm missing but i believe there's your because i couldn't pick i can't pull it up now because it already got taken down but it's like yeah sure. you know your name your email um your outlet or channel depending on what's up um and i think you know maybe some links right to those outlets or channels um at, maybe they ask for social media links i do not remember or have that as an option and i think it's the thing optional I don't remember, if yeah. Do they? Is there a space to write anything? I don't remember if there is. There might be a so. like, an. There, I think there's a space at the very end of like. like an optional, is there like, a, any additional yeah. notes that yeah. you would like us to keep in mind? And that's usually yeah. where I put in like I also write things at this link, or just <laughs> yes, to like exactly. specify that uh -huh. like the variety of coverage for maybe the thing that they don't prompt you to say. Yeah, and that's what I um if assuming that box does exist and we're not we're not imagining right. it. Sure. Um, yeah. for, for me personally, um, you know, it depends on what's going on. So, like, since I freelance for some outlets, like, when I was with Min for MinMax for this, like, Ben's like, oh, apply for it. You know, you're going to go for us. So, for that, I just did all my MinMax stuff. And I said, like, I'm, you know, part of MinMax, whatever. When I went for it as pen to pixels, um, that, in that about, I probably did write, oh, I also appear on these shows. So, mm -hmm. you know, just so people know, like, the additional, like, value that's there. But I will say, like, it is not – and. By saying this, I do not mean to be discouraging if you applied and did not get a badge. So don't feel bad if you applied and didn't get it. But I will say, like, it is not, I think, as hard as some people think it is to get a badge. I think a lot of people look at an event like this and they think that they have to be, they'll look at this and say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not lukewarm games. Like, I'm not as big as Indian Former. I don't have the followers of, like, you know, Pendapixels or whatever, right? But, like, it's not really it's not really looked at in that way. Like they're not like, mm -hmm. it, I mean, obviously they're looking through applications, but I never got the sense of like, you need a certain amount of clout to do it. I think if you're yeah. doing work, right. you're doing work genuinely consistent, somewhat consistently, right. You have like a cadence, like 
if and you want to go like apply for it um i do think yeah. of course if you're applying like be ready to go so from a time standpoint in a financial standpoint especially if you're working like a day job like carve out the vacation days you know figure out how you want to do it you know there's obviously best to be by the hotel but if you need to like most people do start off and they're like i'm airbnb in and i'm coming in and like and i think too that's where like the benefit of having um community can come in and whether that community can be anything it can be um friends and family that are they li- like games too and they want to be there with you and you kind of stay in the hotel that way it can be um hey it's me and a bunch of writers and we're like at this airbnb together or we're like on the hotel and we're sleeping on the sofa like a lot of people started out their career sleeping on the hotel floors for e3 you know it's like that yeah. there's mm-hmm. lots of ways that you can go um but yeah like i think it's kind of the application process um and like the thought process for me that goes behind it like when do I want to go like how am I investing in that um that's at least for like the getting there part but of course there's a lot more discussed with the actual planning of the content and what you guys end up doing when you're there yeah I was pretty sure I wasn't gonna go this year um I had finished summer game fest and I'm like yeah this will probably be my last big thing maybe I'll go to the game awards um and I didn't really start to think about it. I got the email and I was like, ah, you know, but then I got a contact from one Luke Lewis and he was like, hey, I'm thinking about putting a panel together. Oh, yeah. Are you headed to PAX? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, yeah, I'm going. That was like, I don't know if I ever told you that, Luke. That was like the moment I decided like, yeah, That's I really guess cool. I am going to go. No, I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> That actually also happens a lot. I'm glad that that you brought that up because I totally forgot that that's definitely a way that I've ended up also being like, sure. (laughs) You're like, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. Because you're like, okay, if uh, if I am dedicating myself and saying I'm committed to this panel, I should probably be able to go. Um, So yeah, same thing. Uh, There is a, a sheet that you type in. It's not like the regular process for just getting a badge. Um. And it's weird because I still think of myself as as not very well known. Like at one point, uh, I was with Janet and I was introducing myself to someone, and I said, "Yeah, I work for the Indian Farmer." And Janet just like bit my head off and was like, <laughs> in the nicest humanly way possible, she's like, "You work for? You're the founder. You're the CEO. You're the editor. You, you are, are the, the Indian Farmer." <laughs> She was like, I'm a small freelancer at a tiny outlet. I'm like, no, no, no. You own the outlet. Like, you know. I think we all have those friends that'll like tee us up to like, or like, Uh you know, hype us up in the moment. But yeah, I've done that too, of like undersell what you're doing. But yeah. um, And it's, I think it feeds into what Janet was saying, essentially, like, don't let your imposter syndrome hold you back. No way. Because people will see your work. And even if you're thinking like, oh, it's, it's not on the scale of like a game informer you know um but it is surprising the amount of people who were interested in having me at places like I'm always overbooking because I'm just so excited that people want me to check out their stuff and then when I get there people are genuinely like yeah we read your article on blah 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 and I love the way you do this this and this and I'm like oh that's cool I have to try really hard not to like doubt them (laughs) um and be like no you haven't 
Because that's not a great thing to say professionally. <laughs> like, really? You're a fan? Name five of my articles. Yeah, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, tunic. Dang it. I should have thought about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, you get press certified, and then you get on sort of a list. I've never seen this list. I, I kind of want to talk to Jenny or Mike, because they're on the other side. They're on the PR side for some of this. Um, that gets sent out to all of the people who are showing up to exhibit and then they start hitting you up for things sometimes you know who's going to be there and you reach out to make sure you get stuff but a lot of the times it's like the week or two before the show your inbox starts getting inundated with just like we're gonna be at PAX so many emails of just like we're showing this and this and this and i am so like i have to be so careful so i always have my phone with me and anytime that i'm suggesting like yeah let's see about this time i literally put it in my phone as like hold for this yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because otherwise i'll double book and and forget that i'm doing something or other so my phone just fills up with all of my stuff i'm getting um, i'm getting the stress again the like i get yeah. stressed on the show a lot we we talk about some stressful <laughs> topics sometimes but no like well i will say too like did you feel not to put yourself on blast right now but did, how do you feel that went for you this time around you said it was your first one like did you feel like you know what i could have booked a little more or do you feel like you booked it perfect do you feel like oh my god i overbooked like i'm not even gonna get to some of these like how did it shake like, out for you the system of of the scheduling um works very similarly to other events at least so i i have gotten better about that of just knowing like always leave time for lunch like Mm -hmm. uh but besides that the only thing that was really like thanks nintendo wrench in the plan (laughs) was that i was not aware that it would be in two separate buildings that were so far from each other yeah so a lot of the times i do have things that are like okay i have half an hour here and then half an hour here and half an hour here and it's back to back to back um but getting done and then having to walk 15 minutes to your next appointment it's like oh i'm already halfway into like luckily for me the only time where i was really worried about that happening i was able to like rearrange some things and and not miss my appointments but um yeah typically i don't get I, I try not to get too stressed and I do I manage that just by being really hyper focused on like what my schedule is and writing everything down um kind of having an idea of what's going to be there so I think the f- first couple of times I had situations or I went to these sorts of conventions anyone who would message me I was just like yeah absolutely and like put in the things now I'm sort of like a little more uh choosy about the appointments that I take so that I have that time when inevitably last minute like really big games that just got announced because a lot of the times you are either not getting appointments for games that are like they have some sort of like big release the day before packs and then they want to like reach out to all the press and be like hey you want to come see this game it's like of course I want to come see this game the next big indie revealed game um but my favorite ones are when you get emails that are like we can't tell you what this game is but we promise you're gonna want to be there oh my god okay that's cool so uh a couple of them this year were code names such and such and i'm like cool 
I'll do that. I'll do Love a good mystery. Cards. Yeah, sure. I know. Yeah, um, every single event, it's like some sort of cloak and dagger. Like, you want to do this, wink, wink. I'm like, okay, I trust you. I know. Every now and then that does, like, backfire. Or, like, so it depends. Because sometimes they'll say, like, <laughs> it, we can't say what it is, but it's a, like, this genre or something. And you're like, cool. Right. Um, but sometimes it's, like, especially with, like, SGF, this happens a lot, where it's, like, it's just, like, the developer. And it's, like, cool. And they're like, yeah, this is a genre that you've never played before and you never will play again. And I'm like, I don't think I should be here for this because I don't think this is a good use of anyone's time. But yeah, that's definitely a tough one. Um, uh, Jill, I'm curious, when you're there, do what's your process when it comes to writing? Are you writing all your stuff there? Um, and then Luke, like, what's your process with like the podcasting aspect of it? Like, I know you do have like also a site as well. So I'm not sure if you're like also doing writing while you're there or if you do that more just like after the fact. But for each of you, what does the actual work outside of playing the games look like? Yeah. I want to hear from Luke on this because I saw sure. pictures of him doing his podcast on the like summit floor. So yes, hit us with we, it. Um, I think I've learned over time to kind of strike a balance between trying to put up content while at the show and then doing things after the fact. Um, in terms of writing, um, all of that is going up later this week or early next week. So it's all happening after the fact for me. I was able to do a couple of on-site interviews with devs um, for different projects at the show that'll be going into um, some podcast episodes in the coming days. And then I also um, made a lot of just networking connections with devs to then meet remotely in the coming weeks to do interviews later. Um, it it kind of just ends up being easier in a lot of ways of Sound quality is better. Everyone's a little more relaxed. We can chat for a longer amount of time, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, to Jill's comment, I did record an episode of another podcast I co-host called Crossplay Conversations. Um, we were trying to kind of go for a like giant bomb couch style indie creator yeah. scene. Yeah. So we mm -hmm. gathered up a bunch of friends. We were going to meet in the arch building because in my mind, I was like, oh, there's not that much going on. I'm sure we can find like a corner of the lobby because at this point we had like 10 or 12 people coming through. So I was like, we can't just meet at my hotel room. We have to go somewhere with a little more space. Um, and then we ended up I had everything set up. Camera was ready. I had my my Zoom and XLR cables and microphones and everything was ready and we were about to sit down and then security kicked us out because Arch, I guess, closes at 7 p.m. or at least did this past PAX West. So then we all ran over to the Summit building and found a quiet corner on the fourth floor um, and it ended up working out really great. I, I was um, looking through the video and audio. We have a nice background of the Seattle skyline and um, we chatted with, yeah, about 10, 10 indie creator friends about what their favorite game of the show was and that'll be going up next week but um yeah it was really fun it's always fun to in-person podcasting is just something i don't get to do very often so anytime um for crossplay conversations that i mentioned um i co-host that with jacob mccord and joseph hooper and joseph lives in seattle jacob lives in eastern canada and so pax is really the only time we get to see each other in person so we always try to make a point to like do that while we're there together and it's always a blast so mm -hmm. that's one thing i really love about the show as well in addition to the games but kind of having those connections and catching up with friends as well hell yeah um i so appreciate how hard a lot of people work during uh these events because they're literally like seeing stuff then writing stuff and putting it up like the same day i'm like that is beyond me um I usually I split my time by during the convention I 
am just seeing the games and getting my thoughts together and making sure because my appointments go from 10 when it opens to like five like and yeah I have time for lunch and usually there's like one weird like I don't know why I have a 30 minute thing here so I'll go sit down and, and do something but like I, I'm not usually giving myself the time to sit down and write things and I'm not interested in going back to the media room or my hotel and and getting stuff up and and being overly tired so I do tend to decide my coverage later um, and this packs specifically because I am you know, I was booked every day. I have over 30 games that I want to cover. So like, that's not games that I saw. Like there are games that I saw that I'm not interested in covering. Um, so I have 30 games to play and or um, to cover to write about. And because uh, because I am written, unlike, you know, podcasting, I actually have a really terrible tendency and I feel bad like I'm not making them seem very important um to skip out on developer chats or like mm -hmm. interviews or anything and uh, multiple times during my appointments someone from the PR team or someone who's getting you set up would be like oh do you want to talk with a developer I'm like no I've had those two of they're like ready yeah. to give me a 30 minute interview and I'm like I didn't prepare for I'm so sorry yes. it's yeah. okay <laughs> I would have nothing intelligent to ask but not only that um it is for written content so much time it is so time consuming like the cost benefit analysis is not something I can do because if I play a game and I get my thoughts down, I can do that. But in order to get someone else's thoughts correctly, you have to get like the recording of their voice and the transcript 100% correct. And transcripting is something that I did um, as an intern. That was one of my major duties. And I hope mm. never like to deal with that because it's a very like tedious and the um, long, lengthy process just to make sure you get everyone 100% correct because you don't want to misquote anybody for anything. Um, so typically, I don't do interviews. So yeah, I and because I have so, because I don't do interviews, I get the chance to play so many games. Um, and because I have so many games from this year, what I'm thinking of doing this year, and because I get to think about how I'm going to do my coverage, uh, I think I'm going to do a series of like top threes. Uh, but instead of doing like top three games I saw, I probably will do that one, but it'll be things like top three, like wildest games off the wall things, top three things that came out of nowhere, top three, you know, RPGs, but nice. with yeah. a more interesting hook than that. Uh, <laughs> and then we see it's top three RPGs and she's like, I can't think of anything else like that. No, I'm, no, that I'm like, like you know what? This is going to be what I said at first. Um, yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. That's a lot of games. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever played that many games at a PAX 30. Like I, don't, <laughs> I was trying to find how many I did last. Cause like last PAX East was my last one. That was like, Oh, I went like I went in cause I only had media. Like I, I think I'd still had some panels to do though. I'm pretty sure for East, but um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I write anything when I'm there. I try to, but I've yet to, um, 
I think I'm still getting my footing on how I want like the flow of things to go because I write some stuff when I get home but at a certain point I just like I'm I am done thinking of these days that were you know what I mean I'm like I can't be in I can't live in packs for like eight more months while I try to finish this very very old like the like I'll preview a game it's like oh the the full game is out now like this previous preview is not right. yeah uh-huh. it's not it's not relevant anymore um I think I maybe got out like two like last year like last time I went to a pack not this one um I got like two things while I was there and that's like it and then I I started writing some stuff on the plane home too um just in my notes uh app with my iPad yeah. um I would love to start being someone that can do the writing and have the thing there but you do have to like you said to your point Jill like I'd have to play a lot less games to really be able to do that which frankly like might be worth doing it's sort of you just kind of have to pick like your lane a little bit um yeah and I take notes while I'm there playing on a um a physical notepad that like has a front flip i don't know the the spines on the top if that makes sense like a little Mm -hmm. you know you're a detective going yeah no yes i'm a little detective notebook (laughs) and and i write what is the most unintelligible sloppiest looking eight words that mean a lot to me and don't mean anything to anybody else but like that notebook is like pure gold for me like i wrote i wrote i think in that notebook like because there's like a spot for your name and stuff. I'm like, here's my name. Here's the hotel that I'm, and you know, it's just kind of dangerous. But also, I'm like, I need his back. I'm like, just put this in, send, put this in the lobby or whatever you find it. Like, I need this thing. It's like the only thoughts I have on this game are written in here, and I, I try to make them into something uh, more intelligible for uh, my website. But yeah, it's um, it's a lot. You know, you mentioned the scheduling of things, and uh, for me, one of the real challenges too is the like. Because like I said, you could reach out to people. I usually just wait to see like what hits my inbox. And then it becomes at a certain point a game of like, okay, well, I'm interested, but am I interested enough to give up the time? Because like what if something else comes along that like I really want to see? Because I'm definitely not one that um no offense if this happens to you, because like I think sometimes that could happen. But if I book something, that's it. That time's there. Like if yep. if, if 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 Odyssey 2 comes out, too bad. Like I I'm seeing anger fun <laughs> or whatever it is, right? Like I really don't want to be like hot swapping for like the the exciting vibe you know i kind of try to stick to what i had had um laid out before um something else too that i I don't know where this fits into the conversation but i just thought was interesting is last year i went to pax and obviously this will depend on having again that community that group of friends but i went with um i like went you know just kind of on my own but i ran to my friend steve sailor and i was talking to him and he he, i don't know if he ended up joining me on any of my appointments because he might have got busy after a while but like we were talking about what appointments we had next that day and he's like, oh, I want to, see. I was like, I'd love to see that. And I'm like, well, you can come with me. Because a lot of times, like, it's chill to let people come with you to appointments. So also, too, if you are a, whether you're a media person that has a friend who isn't quite in the industry yet, or a media person even just with a a partner, like, you can, I mean, obviously ask politely and, like, understand that if they can't show up. But a lot of times they let, like, your, per- like, your friend, whoever you're with, attend with you. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, obviously, like, you don't want to, you know don't just start doing coverage on stuff that you're not like permitted to do. But like I was talking to a friend who's like, Oh yeah. Like me and my girlfriend have to split up all the time. Cause like I have all these appointments and I'm like, you can bring her to the appointment. Like, you know, and some of that can be really valuable too. If you just want someone to help, like hold your stuff, like help record something for you. Like, again, you know, don't just use your friends and family as like, you know, your workhorses. Yeah. But um, a lot of times, again, talking about that community, like there are a lot of instances where you have people in your circle who are like, welcoming and want you to succeed and want to introduce you to people like a lot of you know like I've and that cuts so many ways like I had you know this weekend people where 
I, you know, I know a good amount of people and they'd be like, oh, I, I've, I haven't met so-and-so. I would really love to meet them. And I'm like, okay, well, like I can introduce you. And I'm like, and I remember I had one phone call at the bar. I was like, Hey, that person you wanted me is here. Like, come walk over here and like, act, <laughs> act, like, act like you just ran into me. And I'll be like, Oh, have you met so-and-so, you know? So uh-huh. like, there's a lot of, um, that's awesome. a lot of ways to like have that happen in a way that's also like, again, there's bad ways to go about all this that are like cloud chasey or gross or exploitative but like a lot of things can happen like very organically as you just start to you know i don't know be genuine about what you're trying to do and and talking to people about what you're excited about and that's how you end up meeting people um in this industry a lot or being able to like achieve things that you wouldn't be able to achieve on your own like you know don't let like those things hold you back from having like a better a healthier a more full experience at like a convention like this 100 percent and with that, a, little, a very nice in-depth overview of the convention and how we deal with it as press, let's dive into the games. So our section of things we played is typically games, full games that we were looking into for review coverage or whatever. But this year it's going to be, or this week, this year, can you imagine if we only put a podcast out a year? Um this time around, we're only going to do PAX demos that we played because I don't think any of us had time to do anything No, else. thank God. I was so afraid that I'd show up here and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm like playing all this stuff. And I'm like, I haven't done anything. I was uh-huh. like playing something before this to try to I have was, relevant things. I was, literally I, was like, about to, <laughs> I was literally about to boot up Goodbye Volcano High, a game that I didn't really That's what I boot up. Yes, that's very I funny. I started yeah. running out of time because I was dropping files and like I, I was mm-hmm. looking at the clock. I'm like... I played this yeah. game for 20 minutes. Anyway, thank you for making it just demos. Next, No, next episode is going to be like, I know this came out like a week ago, but I was at PAX. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the demos that we really enjoyed. Uh, Janet, what do you got on your list? Uh, well, I do have Pepper Grinder, as I mentioned. Uh, Devolver yeah. Digital published title. Uh, this is an action-adventure game where you play as um, a character that has a little, like, either drill for a hand or they're holding a drill. I'm not really quite sure. Um, And it is platformer-esque, I would say. I mean, it's you jump, so I kind of consider it a platformer. But you are kind of burrowing down into, like, the sands with your drill to, like, collect gems or coins or what have you. And you sometimes use that to propel you, like, out of the earth into, like, the next slab that might be, like, hanging from the ceiling. So it's a big year for like going underground, I feel like, and like yeah. digging and burrowing in, in games, um, both in the indie and the AAA space. And yeah, this just, it has a good feeling. It's interesting. It's cool. You know, a little bit reminiscent of the, uh, the little like mole mechanic in Yoshi's Island, but faster because you're like yeah. swimming almost through the sand. Um, saw it and loved it when I saw it, played it and enjoyed it when I played it. So looking forward to that. Um, I also hit up Time Flies over by yeah. the Panic Booth. Uh, this is, I feel like we might have talked about this game at, at some point, but it is a um, quick hit checklist style game. Think Untitled Goosehead, think uh, Henry Halfhead, which isn't out yet. Um, in, oh, Untitled Goose Game, not Goosehead. I think like I, I was not going to correct you. I'm like, I just I knew what took you it that you were combining Halfhead and, and I was like, I'm with you. I understand. Yeah. Moving like, on. Yeah. There's two sides of a very specific coin, but by that I mean like, because if you haven't seen or played either of those games, um, you'll have like a quick checklist of objectives to do and you sort of have to figure out how to accomplish those objectives because they're written in such a way that is a little lightly vague so things like on time flies and the trick is that you're only alive for 70 seconds you know you have like the lifespan of a fly 
So with each kind of run you do, you're trying to do more things on the list. And it'll have something like um, one is um, like live a full life or something. And it's just that yeah. you just die like after the 70 seconds. Or like um, um, play, learn to play an instrument. Exactly. And you it's run over one. the strings of the guitar. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the construction of the game. It's very minimalistic looking, like completely just like black and white, almost like a like hand drawn. Um, and it was cool. Like I enjoy games that have that style. Um, so that's what I liked about it. That's what it delivered. I was like, yeah, I, I'm enjoying this. Um, yeah. For me, the two games that I put together besides Untitled Goose Game, which is a great uh, pool, was Minute and yes. um, yep. uh, Tabletop nice. Game Tokaido, if you've ever Ooh, played that. Okay. I'm not familiar with the tabletop, but now I want it. Tokaido? <laughs> it's can good. You, it's, can, you, can you basically, T O K A I D O, Tokaido? Sorry if I misspelled that. Um, but the basic idea of the game is that you're on vacation on the Tokaido Road, and the only point of the game is to have the best vacation possible. So, like, Time Flies is you are just trying to have your best fly life, you know? So you're checking off all the things that you'd want to do in your little fly 70 seconds worth of living. And it's a lot of fun. And it's hard to put down, even though you're like, okay, I'll I'll try this for like 70 seconds and I'll get the idea and then I'll move on. But I, I did like five different runs of like, I just want to see what's up here. I just want to see. Like, yeah, I, I, I figured I could get that, but I didn't know how to do it. But then I hit it. I hit the switch and then I died from old age. And yeah, it's surprisingly <laughs> hard to put down. Awesome. I didn't get a chance to check that one out, but it looked really cool. Yeah, yeah. I have other ones, but I don't know if we want to do like yeah. a back and forth. A back and forth, or do you? Should I run through the rest? I have? Let's go ahead and move to uh, to Luke. What were your sort of top? Sure. Um, one that totally caught me by surprise. I had never heard of this game before. I played it at the mix, but it was also playable on the show floor. Was Techno Banter? Um, the dev pitched this one to me as Papers Please, but with sassy dialogue, and I was mm, like, okay, okay, enough said. I'm I'm gonna give it a go. So it has this really cool pixel art style. You play as a nightclub bouncer in this like fantasy esque world. All the characters in the world are like fantastical tre- creatures or like anthropomorph anthropomorphic animals and things. Um, and it's it's super funny. It's it's really cool. So as you're each night when you're acting as the bouncer for the nightclub, you have to suss out who gets into the club and who doesn't get in. You have to like observe character traits of each character, um, weed out the shady folks, don't let them into the club. And the game's just really clever. I, I was a little like weary of like, Oh, is the writing going to work? But by the end of the demo, I thought it was a lot of fun. I was laughing throughout. Um, and it felt like a pretty original concept that I hadn't seen before. So that was one that I really enjoyed. Um, I'm looking at a picture of it and it, it, it has a great art style. Yeah. How did you did you run into this man panda who's in his underwear? And did he seem suspicious? I didn't see a panda in his <laughs> underwear. Um, but what was funny about it is like each person had their own like energy. Like there was like this default like angry bro dude, and it's like, oh fuck off, you're not getting into the club, reject. But then he got like angry with me and forced his way into the club, and that like disrupted the dynamic of the club so there was like kind of these like systems happening of like your your choices seemed to matter and then impacted you um your boss is this like hilarious frog woman who calls you laddie 
mm-hmm. very charming, weird, different game. So had a blast with that one. I love um, it. Another one I want to throw out. I played um, a game called Frame Makers. Um, this is currently available in, in um, early access on Steam, but it is straight up Smash Bros with indie characters. But I feel like mm-hmm. unlike every uh, every Smash Bros clone I've ever played. This one on a technical level plays and runs incredibly well. Um, the develop the lead developer on the game, um, his first name was Max. I'm, I'm blanking on his last name at the moment, but super nice dude. Um, he was really heavily involved in like browser based fighting game development over 10 years ago and like the, the Smash community and the mod community there. And so this was kind of a manifestation of that. But He's collaborating with tons of different indie developers. There's going to be 500 assist trophies in the game. The playable roster includes crazy indie favorites like um, Octodad. Chicory is a, uh, an assist trophy oh, you can yeah. get. Um, just like really cool stuff like that. I was like pitching him on different indie game favorites that he was then going to go like chat with and see if people are interested in being a part of this game it's just this like really cool melding pot of like celebrating indie culture but like at the base level the game was so so fun to play um the four of us that got up to our demo station all picked octodad as our playable character (laughs) and so we're running around this stage all as octodad it's hilarious but it yeah that game was a blast so highly recommend folks check it out it's available on steam it's 20 bucks early access right now totally worth it if you're looking for a party game or you enjoy smash but you're kind of tired of you want something different like this is really a cool game i love it i i'm looking at one of the screenshots and it's um among us crewmate slash imposter Mm -hmm. like just destroying a couple of people i love that so much it's so cool i didn't get a chance to play this and now it's really really fun um for me i want to shout out something that me and luke both have on our lists because it was one of the bigger surprises of the show for me. Um, Clam Man 2. And I believe there's a subtitle. It's the headliner, it's not... I believe. The headliner, yes. Clam um, Man. What a game. Clam Man. So Tell us good. about Clam it Man, is... Jill. <laughs> uh, you are a clam who is a man. Imagine if you End will. End the podcast. No, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has a lot of like office space the office sort of vibes to it um you are a clam who's sitting at your desk (laughs) you start out and like it's a really heavy rpg too so when i got the spiel from the um the developer martin i don't remember his last name um he said that so many people who played this liken it to disco elysium Um, And I can Mm. kind of see just from how his UI is set up that there are a lot of comparisons to that. But he said the funniest thing, and it's going to be stuck in my head. Apparently, people have started to dub it Fishco Elysium because it's a clam. I'm like, that's perfect. Uh, So you are sitting at your desk. Obviously, you hate your job. Uh, It's a kind of cubicle jungle that you live in. And you get a message from your boss, who is also just like your friend, who's your fine messing around with who's like obviously something very important is happening very serious business stuff come to my office uh which you take to mean that nothing serious is happening and you're gonna go goof around with your friend 
And as you kind of walk up the cubicle, you see all of these different people and you can choose to interact with them or not. And I didn't get a chance to go around the whole floor, but I wish I did. Um, But the person next to me, I got uh, into what they were doing a little bit and they're like looking around suspiciously, like they have their cubicle like tented and like hidden from view. And they're like, come over here. And like, I ended up helping this person, I think, make a bomb. And like plant it under his desk and like dig, but everything is um, role based. So in order to convince him that I wasn't part of like the authorities that might be coming after him, I had to make a role. Um, And in the very beginning, you get to choose like your class and it's things like stupidly confident. So you are totally like high in social abilities but low in intelligence but you don't know that so you're just confident or um anxious where your character is like neurotic but you're really smart and you can think your way through things and and compassionate for other people and uh so your skills kind of get involved and I managed to convince him I was not part of any like authority figure uh but I wasn't able to make the bomb but I was able to convince him that I did make the bomb correctly and then scoot it off to the CEO's office before anything could happen. (laughs) Uh, And it's just really well done dialogue. It made me chuckle throughout. Like it is so, I used to work in an office, (laughs) so it is really very like relatable in that way and eventually you and your friend the ceo discover that there is a club a comedy club opening underneath your uh building which is hilarious because the guy owns the building your friend who is the ceo owns the building it's his business and they just completely like steamroll him into believing that because it's underground he doesn't owned that part and he was just kind of like okay I guess you guys can open a comedy club so it's just a a fun interactive like you're you're going to go through I didn't get to see this in the demo but you're going to go through the rest of the game sort of coming up with your comedy club routine and like remembering jokes and trying to make that work and yeah it was a lot of fun what did you think about it Luke? Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I was just really impressed by the writing. I thought the game was genuinely very, very funny. And it's interesting hearing you kind of retell how the events played out for you. Because I went to talk to that same crab character that wanted to build the bomb, but I rolled too (laughs) low of a dice roll. And so we couldn't build the bomb. So then I had to like, in order to prevent him from building a bomb, take the bomb parts, hide them, throw them on the roof, and then lie to him that I built the bomb. <laughs> so just like all these like weird side happenings. But yeah, it, it's incredibly fun. All the characters are like different sea creatures. So there's like this cool shark guy who runs the the comedy club and they need your help advertising the comedy club because for some reason no one knows about this secret comedy club in the basement of the office space building but Mm -hmm. yeah it was really wacky and weird but i had a blast with it and so it's definitely on my radar and i i want to go back at some point and play clan man one because i had no idea this series existed but it's pretty clever and definitely worth keeping an eye on 100 percent. i think the other thing um, i was Oh, with the prologue is free uh, of it. I was looking it up on yeah. uh, Steam. So oh, cool. It's Clamman yeah, 2 open is... mic, and that's the prologue yeah, open for mic. Headliner. 
And he told me that the developer told me that as soon as he's done with PAX, he is going to revamp that uh, demo. So some of the feedback he got during the show will be reflected in in that demo. So hopefully that gets put up very quickly because I would like to try some other things out and, and talk to other people. Uh, the other one that I'm very excited about that wasn't really on my radar until I went uh, is Mirthwood. And this is repped by one Mike Toundra. So he's not here so I can talk about him and how how well he did. He was so good at uh, running that booth. Um, it is a kind of when you think of RPG is sort of a much more kind of typical fantasy RPG. It's got a hand-drawn art style. I think people were saying a mixture of like Fable and Stardew, I think was the yeah. other one a lot of people were, were um, shouting out. Um, and it is just to like, you get plopped into a world. You have this epic opening with like, here's the history of what's happening in the world. And you get plopped down into a map and you're trying to get to the city. But between there, you just run into like, oh no, this person has been killed by bandits what's this note say oh you left a sword over there so now i have to go over there and play with that and uh you're getting equipment and you're getting like stats up as you're using your uh abilities and it is one of those games that i'm going to be so into i'm going to be playing forever i'm not going to be able to put down so 100 percent loved this uh janet did you get a chance to check this out i think you did no i didn't it was uh <gasps> i was a victim of the the dual buildings because i i really was like for the culture just because like you know like mike's there i was like oh, at least check it out like sure yeah <laughs> and then i was became a liar and i like felt it happening in real time because i'm like i'm not gonna go back to that other building like yeah. i just wasn't able to I check can't it out get, so i cannot like push my body that far yeah because i'm like well the thing is it's not even that but like i didn't have that much time outside of like my work assignment so i was like already in the other building and i'm like if i go over there like that's gonna be it like because i'm not gonna be going back and forth so it's like i'm like let me just get more out of the building that i'm in than yeah. going over to mike's building which has a name that isn't mike's building but <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see if i can it's get whole, to it. it's all of mike's building we're gonna write in yeah. and, and tell them that that's what we have to do but if you please go check that out because it's such a fantastic game uh just to shout out a couple of other things that i saw and i'm going to be writing about um quadroids oh, really really cool puzzle game where you are there it is four different areas and your character goes from one area to the other but whenever they switch the button you use to control them changes and they Ooh. use this in a bunch of different ways and you have to be like jumping over traps and avoiding monsters and like having to remember as you like you're jumping wall jumping okay and then you get up to the next quadrant and all of a sudden the button you need to be hitting to jump up a wall changes and it took me I don't know why it took me like five times to remember like oh I have to instead of hitting like right trigger I have to hit like left bumper now and it's just really cool and fun and a very unique take on the puzzle um I want to shout out wonderful which is a sort of like um survival game where you only have a certain like amount of time it's like 30 seconds or something and you can continue to explore as long as you're finding uh 
light for your lantern, like mm. fire. Um, but also when you find a light, you get the choice of one or two buildings. And it, when you build that building, more of the landscape opens up so that you can get to the next lamplight. So you're constantly like planning out where to put stuff so that you can get to a fire instead of it being like inaccessible because of it's beyond water or it's hidden in a, a big bush or something. Oh yeah, um, I tried. I tried playing this. I was uh, at a different show. I was. I was like kind of bad at it. <laughs> like I think. Just, <laughs> I think just like how it like lays out. It's like a, it kind of reminds me in a, in that sense of um, like they're totally different mechanics, but like mini metro kind. Just the idea mm-hmm. of like kind of like a planning, like the puzzle or like maybe Terranil in the modern, the more slightly more modern era came out like this, like yeah. last year or whatever. But yeah, the art's very cute on it. Yeah, for sure. Very very cool. And then. Oh, so many things. Uh, Everdeep Aurora is another one of these like drilling games that I didn't know about until I got here. And it's cute. And you're a cat with a cape. I love it. Uh, Sold. <laughs> I, Dungeons of Hinterberg. I have my thoughts up on the website. I love this game. I loved it when it got revealed. This is the first hands-on uh, that they have had for the game. So go and check that out. And so many other things I have on this list that I'm looking at. I'm like... Uh, everyone's just going to have to check out the website because there were a lot of great games. Um, Janet, what do you have on your list that you want to shout out? Um, yeah, uh, double shouts to the Quadroids. Uh, talking to the person that was repping the game, they mentioned like, yeah, it's Lemmings, which also I still haven't, I've not played Lemmings ever and I really need to because I've played every game that's like Lemmings but not actual uh-huh. Lemmings. So <laughs> um, time to fill that gap so I can understand exactly what they mean. But yeah, same deal. I thought it was just very unique, very fun um also too it's it's worth shouting out that it tells you the button input like on the quadrant so it's not like you have to memorize it but it is still very challenging uh and i liked it a mm-hmm. lot yeah, um yeah. other things and these things are kind of like at the mix and maybe there's some crossover but i don't you know know for sure right kind of thing um <laughs> which is if you're not familiar or forgot like didn't listen to the other episodes the mix is a like a indie game space that often happens uh alongside bigger events so maybe like you know, at E3, they'd be like, oh, there's also the mix on Friday. And, like, this was kind of that thing. Like, there was Friday packs, and then there was, like, the mix on Friday. Um, yeah. So things that stood out from there. Yellow Taxi Goes Room. This also, I put this mm-hmm. down because, um, you know, we have, like, the topic of the show notes, and there's, like, guiding questions for it. And one of them was, like, what was the funkiest or like, the weirdest game you played? Mine was Yellow Taxi Goes Room. It is, the pitch that I heard of it is it's, it's like Crazy Taxi, if it was like a platformer i don't really know people mentioned crazy taxi and there's crazy taxi dna in it but it is like crazy taxi if it was um sonic um yeah and also maybe something else is in in there with a little bit of like wario goofiness and humor um it's funky it's chaotic it's arcadey uh it's strange um it's compelling though i like it um it was it's very out oh the rumble also i mean they said you can adjust it but the rumble goes hard like it reminds me of like remember when switch came out and they like cranked the hd rumble like really hard like snake mm-hmm. pass was like it was like a phone from like when phones first came out you had a phone in your desk and <laughs> in, in eighth grade and it's like you know like it's it's a lot but i think it kind of fits the like funky chaotic chucky e. cheese meets green hills meets bomb fields like there's a wild stuff and a lot of also i think game references like very direct like mario reference it's just a it's a weird funky th- a group of things slabbed together in a way that it was frankly really fun so i, I want to show that out it's like a very odd 
thing that I really enjoyed. Um, there was also Valley Peaks, which I didn't go hands on yeah. with this because I had done a podcast on the demo like a million years ago, like like three years ago or something. I like went digging for it. And um, Valley Peaks is cool because, and granted, I, I haven't touched it in a long time, but it's it's a climbing game. And the climbing is a little bit leaning in on wonky physics, but not so wonky that's unwieldy. But tonally, it has a lot of um, things that remind me of a short hike, just in terms of like, you're walking around a space and you're meeting these quirky characters who sort of may have insights or activities to kind of give you and the art is very compelling and there's like frog people and it's like you know kind of one of those <laughs> games and I and I love those kind of games so mm-hmm. um glad to see that Valley Peaks is still trucking along and making its way um towards its final build um similarly I want to shout out Lucid uh this is a game I went a full appointment hands-on with on at like East or something and I saw it again uh Lucid is a like celeste-like platformer in terms of it it's a difficult platformer it is a it has a lot going on in terms of what it's asking you to do but if you're someone that likes hard platformers you will figure it out fairly quickly and be super into it because of the way it is very at times pat your head rub your belly but again if you're into hard platformers you'll like get a sense um i do vaguely remember them talking about trying to add in um sliders in terms of like the difficulty thing like i don't think they're gonna end up going full in on only people that are like really skilled can play it, but don't super quote me on that because I'm not sure where they landed on that. Um, I believe they're kick. I believe they're like gonna be like work. I don't know. I don't know when the next news drop is gonna be like dropping for it, but they're kind of you know making more progress and they're get- almost approaching release ish, right? Um, and yeah, super cool game. And the little uh, main character has a like a fluffy coat, which is like nice from like a visibility standpoint, but also just like some cool design. So yeah, um, shout out to that. And then. One that was kind of a mixed bag for me, but I want to shout out because like the art and the vibes are really compelling, even though I don't know where that's landing for me, is this game called Roman Sans RE Build. Um, This is a visual novel that is sort of funky, psychedelic, 2000s vaporwave-ish with the aesthetic. Kind of reminded me a bit of... um, paradise killer just in terms of like the the visual vibes and i really like the quest that i was given for it in the general like setup of the game um the number one thing that kind of held me back from being like super glowing on it is just i think kind of like the, the movement speed mixed with i think some of the ui stuff while it looks super cool it's a little heavy on the eyes and i'm kind of hoping yeah. that maybe for the full release they have um like a toggle off animation for the menus because while it looks really cool i'm like sort of staring into static after a while uh, kind of pulls me back out of it a bit, but um, it had some really like cool ideas going for it. So uh, that one was at least interesting to me and maybe worth taking a glance at if you like that style of game. Nice. 100%. Cool. Luke, what do you have for your shout outs? Um, I have a couple quick ones. I played um, Thank Goodness You're Here, which is the new mm-hmm. game from uh, Cole Supper, the devs behind Untitled Goose Game. Super mm. cool um game kind of meets like untitled goose game with a little bit of like warioware energy um the art style is yeah. very like cartoon network crazy weird different um you are in this little english town and you're just doing different little errands and deeds for different people but things get really wacky and at one point you're trying to help a pie maker and you turn into a ham and jump in an oven and like you're running around just doing all these like wacky wild things as if you're like in a Cartoon Network cartoon. Um, mm-hmm. The writing was very fun and I had a blast with it. So definitely shout out that one. One of the funniest things yeah. about 
playing that game was that I played it and like the accents are very distinctive. It is mm-hmm. I, it is based talking to the developer. He said it, it is based on it on the space where he lives. And then having heard all the voices in the game and then listening to him talk, I'm like, yeah, yep. it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear it. You are the exact same intonation as all of the characters. I love it so much. Yeah, so that Go was ahead, a Luke. blast. No, no, that that's great. Yeah, the the devs were also super nice too, and just really great to chat with. Um, I mentioned another another crab's treasure at the top of the show, but just want to shout yeah. that one out again. Ton Big of fun. Of crab. Yeah, for those that. I, I dabble in Souls games, but struggle with Souls games. This felt like a nice balance to me of like, I love the visuals. It, it's very colorful, very fun, but has a has a challenge, has some level of depth to it. And um, the combat was really satisfying once I got the hang, hang of the dodge and definitely I'm excited to play more of that one. And then one more that I played at the mix that I was not expecting and caught me off guard, um, Knight versus Giant the broken Excalibur. Um, this is a really cool top-down action roguelike game has a really beautiful hand-painted art style visually looks really similar to Bastion from super giant. Um, but really fun combat. You're fighting like mushrooms and giants and crazy enemies. And it was fun because two of my friends that were with me, they played the demo right before me, but we watched each other play and we each picked different builds. We, different strategies when approaching the boss and it was really fun to see the kind of variety of different play styles and the combat was just such a blast that was one that like i was thinking about all weekend and if i had had it on my switch or steam deck i would have made time to keep playing because i i just couldn't stop thinking about how fun that that demo was 100 percent. there you have it everybody those were our thoughts on packs and what we were excited to play that's the end of this week's council, though. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to everyone who is joining us, uh, Janet and Luke. Thank you so much. It was very last minute having you on, and I'm so glad that you were able to join us. Where can people check out your podcast? For sure. And again, thank you so much for having me. Um, I've looked up to both of your work for a long time and have so oh, much respect you. for everything you do. So it was a blast to, to chat That's with you all. So You're really appreciate it. Now. Heck yeah. yeah. Um, you have to but like if, three badges or something. Sorry, I, oh, yeah. I interrupted your part. No, no, no. <laughs> you're totally fine. I'll, I'll take a badge. A I, I would, like, I'd wear it proudly. Yeah. Um, but if folks like want to hear like more of... Hand. Yeah, if folks want to hear more of my video game banter and content, you can check out the Lukewarm Games podcast as well as Crossplay Conversations. Um, they're both bi-weekly, but they release alternatingly, so you can... Right. Hear me every week somewhere. Um, and then you can also find all of my writing and PAX coverage at lukewarmgames.com. But thanks again. This was a blast. Glad to have you. We'll be able to put that in the description below for anybody who wants to find it. For us, the Indie Council is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Perhaps it's been approved by Google. It's hard to know at this point. Uh, <laughs> Jenny and Mike being the ones who are really pushing that podcast uh audio only kind of platforms uh so we'll see you the next time they are on but this session is closed go play some indies